Welcome to Modern Family Matters, a podcast devoted to exploring family law topics that matter most to you, covering a wide range of legal, personal, and family law matters with expert analysis from skilled attorneys and professional guests. We hope that our podcast provides answers, clarity, and guidance towards a better tomorrow for you and your family. Here's your host, Steve Altitian. I'm Steve Altitian, Director of Client Partnerships at Pacific Cascade Legal, and I'm here with our lead attorney, William Jones, to talk about life after a FAPA hearing, what to know about renewals, dismissals, and violations of the order. Will, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Steve. Uh, another lovely day here in Oregon or Washington, depending on which office you're reading this from. Either one, lovely day. So let's talk before life after FAPA for, for folks, just a very brief sort of like 10,000 foot overview of, you know, what a FAPA is. So a FAPA, uh, obviously an acronym, um, kind of a weird word if it wasn't an acronym, stands for Family Abuse Protection Restraining Order, FAPA. So the purpose of that is people who generally are in some type of intimate relationship, uh, whether that's kids, sexual, whether they're married, um, some manner of intimate partnership, that's the family part. If there's been abuse within the prior 180 days and basically reasonable fear or credible threat of further abuse going forward, person can be granted that order. Purpose of the order is just to keep the people apart, right? That's what we want. So it only restrains one party. That's the party who the order gets served on. So somebody runs to court, they get the order as soon as it's served on the other party. Now the police have access to that in what's called their leads database. So that's the law enforcement data entry system. The restrained party now has that on basically, you could call it their criminal record, but in leads. So if those people are together and the sheriff knows about it, the sheriff is going to arrest the restrained party, put them in usually for the evening, maybe have to post bail. Uh, but usually they're in jail for the night, something like that. They can also be charged with contempt because they've violated a court order. Um, so it's a restraining order basically trying to keep people apart because there's been some manner of abuse and we think it's going to continue. What is the the general time frame of how long a restraining order from FAPA lasts? Is there, a, is there just a set time that it lasts? And so the statute itself says they're one year, right? And they can be renewed after a year. Now, there is a right to a hearing in there that you have to request within 30 days. Um, so maybe it gets dismissed at the hearing. Uh, usually parties are kind of free to say, look, I had the order. Everything's fine now. I want to dismiss it. Um, judge has ultimate discretion there. Uh, so if somebody gets the order, comes in, says, hey, judge, everything's fine, uh, but they have a big black eye and uh, maybe there's somebody scary standing in the corner, a judge may go, I don't feel safe dismissing this order right now. So they still have discretion to hold it there. But most of the time, if somebody comes in and goes, look, I don't need this order anymore, a judge is going to go, okay, fine. But but the statute says if the hearing doesn't go well for the restraint party, they last for a year. Um, There is some stuff dealing with uh, the House representatives, the legislature, all that stuff where they're talking uh, and actually voting, which just hasn't gone through all the way yet, of extending that to two years. So sometime in the near future, we're all expecting FAPAs to last two years, but right now it's only one. Uh, kind of a goofy question. Uh, a year from when? There's, there's the you go in initially, like you said, and get get an order, and then maybe later a month or so, or who knows, you have a hearing. It it lasts a year from when? 
from the hearing or from the original order? Generally from the original order. Um, there is a little bit of, oh, you could call it confusion on when it actually takes place because conceptually that order, once it's issued, goes into leads, but it hasn't been served on the party to be restrained yet. And every now and then we'll see that case where somebody got a restraining order, but it hasn't been served. That person who's restrained by the order, even though they don't know about it, they're in lead, so they can still be arrested, right? It's already in there, even though they don't know about it yet. So there's always that argument to be made of, look, we need, A, we didn't know about the order. B, if a long time has come between when they got it and when it was served, it may be that later date of service where the party actually has knowledge of it. So what if someone does want to renew it? What do they do? How do they start? Do they start the process all over again? How do they call up and say, I want to have it renewed? How do they get the thing renewed? So there's, uh, and they're actually available on the state website. It's something our firm can help with. Uh, there are renewal forms. It's very, very similar to the original FAPA itself. What's important about renewing a FAPA is you have to do it while it's in existence. If it gets dismissed after a year because the year has just passed, then you go to renew it. Now you're into a new FAPA application. One of the things you have to have in order to get a restraining order is you have to have abuse within the prior 180 days. If you've had a restraining order that hasn't been violated in the whole year, even though there may be reasonable fear that you want to keep that order, once it's dismissed, now you look back and you try to get another one. There's no abuse within the prior 180 days. person hasn't even contacted you in the last year. Now your FAP application is going to get dismissed or denied because the judge is going to go, I don't know. But if you move to renew it, you don't have to prove that abuse. You just have to show that there's reasonable fear moving forward. So you got to do it within a year. Form goes over to the courthouse. It's served on the other party. The other party has the right to request a hearing on the renewal. It sounds like renewal is a little bit of a, of a kind of a squishy process in that you have to show actual violence in to get one but just a reasonable fear of violence in the to renew one and what sort of i mean what sort of things can make can make someone have a reasonable fear if no one's talked to them for a year all kinds of stuff and i'll tell you i've been doing this probably too long but for quite a while people are crazy there is all kinds of stuff that happens. So some of the stuff that we end up kind of encountering and we see in some FAPA renewals are, let's say, restraining order hasn't been violated in a year. Party who got the order wants to renew it, and they may come into court with some witnesses who go, I've seen that guy, and all he talks about is how he can't wait for this order to be dropped so he can go back to being violent. Um, they may come in uh, to our office, to the court, and say, I keep getting these really weird letters with cut out letters from magazines that say, I hate you, but there's no return address. And I get one of those a week. People do all kinds of strange stuff. I keep getting emails from random email addresses that have all my personal information and say that I hate you. Does that mean that the person who's restrained is doing that? Not necessarily, but those can create some reasonable fear of further abuse, even though we don't know. So all kinds of stuff can happen, even when there's no direct contact between people. Typically, what you see in a renewal is that it's been violated a few times, right? This person keeps contacting me. This keeps happening. Person's been, you know, in jail a couple times because they violated it. So you go in on the renewal and go, well, he was not even following me or anything. So what do you want me to do? 
Is the renewal a, a one-time thing or no, can, can it be renewed. getting renewed? They can be renewed every year, but you see the problem that kind of gets created is you have to show reasonable fear. And if it's been 10 years of no contact, what are we really doing here? Yeah. Right. So let's talk about the consequences of violating restraining orders. Um, I, you know, I imagine you get a lot of people who come in and they say, you know, we got to get rid of this. I haven't done anything. I mean, I talked to her twice on the phone and I sent her an email, but I haven't done anything. I'm not, I haven't hit her. So what happens if they violate the restraining order, even if it's a little bitty part of it? It's, there is no minor violation of a restraining order. They are violations, period. It doesn't matter if the party with the order texts the restrained party first. It doesn't matter if they call. You ignore those calls. You ignore those text messages. You block the number. You do nothing. You both happen to be at Safeway. You better get out of Safeway if there's a restraining order against you. That's the way it works. The reason that is is because only the restrained party is in leads. The police only know that this person has to stay away from that person. It doesn't go the other way. Now, obviously, a judge, if there was a violation hearing where you both ended up at Safeway, a judge may go, nah, this is silly. Get this out of here. It happens. You guys live in the same neighborhood. What do you want me to do? Nothing happened. But the sheriff, police officer, whoever it is, they're going to look at leads and go, you can't be near this person. Let's go to jail. Done. Once you violate a restraining order, it's automatic arrest, right? Sheriff obviously has some discretion. They always do. But it should be automatic arrest. Most people spend the night in jail. You can be brought on contempt charges because you willfully violated a court order. Multiple violations will keep you in longer. It will raise your bail. Those things are all going to happen. So I recommend not violating them once, but as you do it more, it gets worse. Same thing with speeding tickets. They're not all the same price. If you got a hundred of them, you're paying more. It's just the way it works. What if the person who is the victim decides that, you know, I want to drop their restraining order? This person has gotten better. I I think they they've they've gone to classes. They've gotten help. You know, I just don't I don't want to have this anymore. What can they do about that? So they can ask that the order either be dismissed or modified. Right, both are possible, depending on kind of how the order works. We see a lot of kind of minor modification hearings because maybe it's interfering with parenting time or the ability to pick up or drop off the kids or things like that. Um, so we see a lot of minor modifications like that. Whoever has the order is welcome to run out of the courthouse and say, look, here's how I want to change this. But it's still in the judge's discretion to change it. Right. So just because somebody says, I want this dismissed, a judge may go, no, I don't feel comfortable as a judicial officer in dismissing this order because I think that there's real reason for you to be in fear. Or every now and then, I think you've been manipulated into doing this and the party who is the abuser in the situation is still controlling you in some way, right? And if you don't drop the order, they won't pay the rent or whatever the case is. So a judge still maintains discretion. Generally, judges want to do what the people want to do, right? So most of the time, it's not a problem, but the judge is still in charge. Can a FAP of restraining order be changed while it's in effect if... And if it can be changed, is it is it a can parts of it be changed? Like, can you can you say no more, no physical contact, but you can, you know, send an email regarding the kids or something like that? Can changes be made? Yeah. So either party is welcome to request those changes from the court. Um, if it's the party who has the order, 
a judge normally just signs off on them and goes, yeah, that's a good idea. Things like emailing about the kids. Uh, yeah, those are things you got to get in there because that's a violation unless the order says you can do it. Yeah. Right? So still contact. So don't do that. Even though it's about the kids, you got to get the order changed before you do anything else. Right. Same thing with fire. <laughs> if something's on fire, don't touch it. Put the fire up first. <laughs> then you can touch it and you'll probably be OK. If the order's in effect, it's in effect. So either party is welcome to request changes. Normally, if it's the party who's restrained, the court's going to hold a hearing on that. If it's the party who has the order, a lot of times the court will just sign off on it and go, seems reasonable if that's what you want to do. It's your order, so we're fine with that. The kind of a final thought on this is, is that if someone is served with a FAPA, um, and they kind of say, okay, fine, I, I understand. I'm just, I'm not going to contest it and let it go. That FAPA order, then they don't really have any control of what actually goes in it at the beginning, which makes a lot of these things that we talked about in terms of enforcement and change, something that maybe they could have forgotten, talked about at the beginning and not have that issue come up later. seems like it's always a good idea to make sure you just don't ignore it. Yeah, the, I, I guess a hallmark of legal practice in general is never ignore anything from the court, ever, right? That can really affect a lot of your rights, specifically when you're dealing with a FAPA. There's firearm restrictions that can go in there. You get caught with a gun when you have a FAPA. That's not going to be great for you. Probably worse than just a violation because if you were to surrender your firearms, you didn't do that. You're clearly in contempt of court. A lot of not fun things can happen. So if anybody out there gets served with a FAPA, A, read it, read it very carefully, maybe talk to an attorney about it because there's lots of stuff we can do in there to either lessen the restrictions and make them more manageable or maybe have a hearing and just get the whole thing to go away. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Will. Thank you again for sitting down and talking to us about, you know, life after FAPA and, and how FAPA renewals work and dismissals work and violations work, enforcement work. It's all really important stuff to know. So thank you for talking about that today. You betcha, Steve. Happy to help. If anybody needs anything, uh, we're not hard to find. No, we are not. And everyone, thank you for joining us today. Any further questions, as Will said, please feel free to contact our firm. We get you connected with an attorney who can help. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, be well. This has been Modern Family Matters, a legal podcast focusing on providing real answers and direction for individuals and families. Our podcast is sponsored by Landerholm Family Law and Pacific Cascade Family Law, serving families in Oregon and Washington. If you are in need of legal counsel or have additional questions about a family law matter important to you, please visit our websites at landerholmlaw.com or PacificCascadeFamilyLaw.com. You can also call our headquarters at 503-227-0200 to schedule a case evaluation with one of our seasoned attorneys. Modern Family Matters, advocating for your better tomorrow and offering legal solutions important to the modern family.